Welcome to AZPM News Daily, a recap of all the day's news from Arizona Public Media. I'm Steve Jess. Coming up on today's podcast, the University of Arizona, one of Tucson's and the state's largest employers, braces for budget cuts and layoffs. That means people are going to lose their jobs. that's, That's just the reality of it while UA employees fight to make their voices heard. What we frequently see is that um, engaging with us just means telling us how it is. And a beautiful tropical fish goes on display in Tucson. She really is an amazing star. She's huge and has these big eyes that'll look out at you. Too bad she's made out of ocean plastic. First in today's news, cuts are coming across the University of Arizona following a financial update on Monday. Paola Rodriguez has our update. University departments should begin to expect cuts between 5 to 15 percent over the next 18 to 36 months. The move comes after Arizona Board of Regent Executive Director John Arnold, who also serves as the university's interim chief financial officer, shared that 75 percent of reporting units are spending more than they have. We're overspending by a lot. You know, to solve that, are there going to be layoffs? What, what, what do you think administrative restructuring consolidation means? That means people are going to lose their jobs. And that, that's, that's just the reality of it. Following the financial update, faculty senators questioned UA President Robert Robbins and Arnold's plan on how to address the financial crisis. Some senators were concerned about what values would be centered as units are evaluated for cuts. Faculty Senate Chair Dr. Layla Hudson called for the safeguarding of academic units at this time. Start with administration and athletics, move to auxiliary and support units, and academics last. Academics are our engine. The university has contracted three independent external audits to examine athletics, the University of Arizona Global Campus, and UA's finances. In the meantime, immediate steps will include centralizing facilities, HR operations, and IT. Administrative roles will also be reconsidered, and a new budget model is expected to be in place by 2026. I'm Paola Rodriguez, AZPM News. Meanwhile, staff at the University of Arizona are considering a vote of no confidence in University President Robert Robbins and the financial plan he rolled out, announcing layoffs and 5 to 15 percent budget cuts. The staff council meeting Tuesday afternoon quickly reached capacity at 500 attendees. Staff Council Chair Melanie Madden says she's not sure if a vote of no confidence is the right move right now, but she says the administration is not including staff members in key decisions. The issue that we're seeing is that shared governance gets trotted out um, quite a lot by the president to say that he has um, engaged with um, shared governance. And what we what we frequently see is that um, engaging with us just means telling us how it is. A vote of no confidence in the Arizona Board of Regents is also being considered by the Faculty Senate. That request has been sent to a committee for further consideration. In the interest of disclosure, Arizona Public Media has a non-news staff representative on the UA Staff Council. Some Republican lawmakers in Arizona are throwing their support behind Texas, where state and federal agencies are engulfed in a legal dispute over concertina wire placed along parts of the international border with Mexico. Arizona House Speaker Ben Toma and Senate President Warren Peterson are part of the letter to President Joe Biden in response to the U.S. efforts in Texas, signed by 26 attorneys general from non-border states. 
They say the U.S. is facing a border crisis that the Biden administration has failed to stop. And Texas, they say, has the right to defend itself against what they call an invasion. Governor Katie Hobbs wants lawmakers to get behind a proposal to boost pay for all school staff using more of the state's land trust fund. The voter-approved Proposition 123 increased the distribution that schools received from the fund to 6.9 percent. Hobbs wants the legislature to ask voters to increase it again to 8.9 percent. Democratic lawmaker Christine Marsh says the fund has grown by more than $2 billion over the past 10 years. Our choice is between letting that number sit in a bank account and get bigger or setting Arizona's children up for success. But Republican State Treasurer Kimberly Yee calls the plan unsustainable. She says Wall Street forecasters predict lower returns for the fund over the next decade. A Blue Ribbon Commission is about to deliver its report on whether Pima County should build a new jail. We have an update from Hannah Cree. Blue Ribbon Commission Chair Daniel Sharp said in an email that everything was going according to schedule and the report would be delivered on time. The final report will include results of a public survey that went live for three weeks over the holidays. It asked residents about the commission's initial findings, which offered two options, renovating the existing jail or building a brand new one. The lowest starting price for a renovation project would cost the county over $600 million, and the county's survey showed nearly half of participants said they were opposed to any increase in taxes to pay for the jail. The report is scheduled to be discussed at the February 20th Board of Supervisors meeting. I'm Hannah Curry, AZPM News. The libertarian-leaning Goldwater Institute is suing Phoenix over its prevailing wage ordinance, and it says Tucson is next. The ordinances require contractors working on public projects to pay wages like those in the private sector. A 1984 Arizona law bars cities from setting their own prevailing wage requirements, but both Phoenix and Tucson point to a recent opinion from Attorney General Chris Mays, who says a newer statute passed by voters lets cities set their own minimum wage. Tucson leaders unanimously approved a new prevailing wage ordinance during a council meeting on January 9th. They say the new mandate will improve the local economy and ensure workers are not being underpaid. John Thorpe with the Goldwater Institute says in a letter to city leaders that the terms minimum wage and prevailing wage are distinct under Arizona law, and that means both the Tucson and Phoenix ordinances are illegal. State lawmakers are looking at a bill that would require them to get tested for using drugs. State Republican Representative Julie Willoughby introduced the bill. It makes all members of the legislature submit to random drug testing. As the bill stands, it wouldn't test for alcohol, but it would include marijuana, despite marijuana being legal in the state. The bill has not been assigned to any committee. The state is opening its first state park in eight years next week in Camp Verde, where the West Clear Creek and Verde River meet. The Rockin' River Ranch will include picnic areas, six hiking trails that also allow for biking and horseback riding, and fishing along the Verde River. It previously operated as a guest ranch with horse riding and boarding facilities. The 209-acre park will be open on weekends, and entrance will cost $7 per vehicle.
Here in landlocked Arizona, ocean pollution might not be top of mind, but a new exhibit at the Tucson Botanical Garden is bringing the reality of ocean plastic to the desert through art. Hannah Cree has an in-depth report on the Washed Ashore exhibit. The Botanical Garden's newest visitor is a massive rainbow parrotfish named Priscilla. She really is an amazing star. She's huge and has these big eyes that'll look out at you. Brad Parks is the conservation education director for the Oregon-based nonprofit Washed Ashore Art to Save the Sea. His organization makes art installations constructed entirely from ocean plastic. In total, Washed Ashore volunteers have collected and processed 60,000 pounds of plastic from the Oregon coastline and created almost 100 sculptures. Priscilla is one of the seven washed ashore sculptures spending the next six months here in Tucson. We have a giant puffin from the northern parts of our planet, but we have a mako shark, and then from the southern part of the planet we have a rockhopper penguin. A lot of plastic material comes to washed ashore in fragments. Plastic debris can spend years at sea, slowly breaking down into smaller and smaller pieces. But other trash stays intact, and washed-ashore artists intentionally place recognizable items at eye level. Priscilla's scales are a mosaic of bottle caps, shovels, beach toys, and foam flip-flops. Katie Rogerson of the Tucson Botanical Gardens explains. It makes you painfully aware of how, like, that was used, that plastic was used one time, and now it's out in the ocean. Some ocean plastic comes from industrial activities, like the fishing nets Priscilla rests on that imitate ocean waves. But the organization reports over 80% of ocean plastic washes into the sea from land, which means everyone can have an impact. We want them to sort of have a sense of realizing how much plastic we use in our own homes or at work, and then hopefully have an epiphany about how to change that behavior. Recent reports estimate as many as 170 trillion plastic pieces exist in the oceans today. That unprecedented amount of waste is having drastic effects on ocean animals that mistake bits of plastic for food. Parks says that art is a necessary way of confronting an overwhelming problem. Through an emotional experience, you can be inspired or horrified or, again, whatever emotion works, but really trigger a response that gets you to consider, to think, and then make that behavior change. In conjunction with the Washed Ashore exhibit, the Botanical Gardens are promoting a local Tucson partnership that's also raising awareness about single-use plastics. Ward 6's partnership with tech startup Bifusion collects plastic that can't normally be recycled and turns them into building materials called Byblocks. Rogerson said the Botanical Gardens is excited to promote the program. We are partnering with Ward 6 and Bifusion, and they have donated us quite a few of their Byblocks. And uh, we're going to be using those Byblocks to build some raised beds. Parks applauded Tucson's desire to reduce their plastic waste. We're really excited that that type of work is going on here because it is really creative solutions are going to be needed to address a problem that's this big. Visitors to the Tucson exhibition also have the chance to name one of Washed Ashore's creations. The organization said they would collect name suggestions for the plastic jellyfish hanging from the garden pavilion and eventually hold a vote for the winner. The Washed Ashore exhibit will be at the Tucson Botanical Gardens until June 30th. I'm Hannah Curry, AZPM News. And that should catch you up on all the stories we've covered today at Arizona Public Media. 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the AZPM News Daily wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Steve Jess. Join us again tomorrow.